0: first, right? He says to pray with expectations. So we haven't even played the game yet, but I'm here supporting. And if we don't win, that's okay. Still worth it. Today I'd like to start by taking some time to reflect on a story I heard when one of our Bible studies recently. I'm not sure how long this is going to take today. I think it's going to be a short one. But that's okay. Before I dig in, I want to spend some time talking about the Bible study we've just gotten started with. We're in about our fourth week, I think. Yeah, about our fourth week. And uh, I've been to Bible studies in the past, and they've all been good experiences, some better than others. But you might have a perception that Bible study is basically you just sitting in a chair with a notepad, taking notes while somebody stands up and tells you what the Word of God is all about. You know, today we are going to study the book of Ecclesiastes. Take notes. That's not what our Bible study is. We get into the Word, we study the Bible, we study the Scriptures, but what we really do is it's a family affair. We get together and we have a group discussion. And what I've really appreciated about that is I've heard people that I've never heard give insight before that go to this church I've heard insights I've never heard before. I've heard passionate speaking about God that I've never heard before, and it, it's really just opened my eyes and my heart, and it's given me a good, uh, a good um, excitement, if you will, about how the church is growing from the inside out. Things you would have never known. That person's so quiet, but then they sat there and they spoke about God in a passionate way, and I was just blessed to have heard it so we get to answer questions and ask questions and give each other insight and opinions and what are we praying about right now what scripture are we sitting in right now there's not like this like rigid structure that we follow our bible study is it's a heart it's a heart affair it really is amen so i value that and if you are if it's in your heart to take part in that well, um, we do it on seven, at 7 p.m. on Thursday nights, and uh, it's a great thing. It really is. So give it a try. And you get, it's 7 o'clock, so you get to have dinner first, so I, I appreciate that too. So I wanted to talk about that, and I wanted to talk about a story I heard in one of our Bible studies. So I want to spend um, before I get started on that, sorry, I lost my place. During one of our Bible studies, one of our family members was telling a story about their parents who gave them some advice, and that advice was an important practice to keep a marriage strong, is to at least once a week, you got to dance in the kitchen. And when I first heard that, I just laughed. I'm like, what? But you've got to dance in the kitchen. And as she elaborated, it really got my mind going on what wise advice that was. A simple few moments spent in the kitchen, if done from the heart, it can display love, trust, affection, intimacy, vulnerability, and more. If you think about it, these are things we longed for as we were seeking that thing that would complete us, which for me is to offer myself to the living God and receive the sacrifice offered by the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'd like to talk about the dance. Not the dancing in many forms it takes today. Now, there's many different ways to dance, and some of it's just silly, and some of it's romantic, and then there's everything in between but I want to talk about the kind of dance that can sustain a marriage for 50 years or more. If you've never had a moment like this, I'm talking about the kind of dance where you held that individual in your arms and it changed your life. That's the kind of dance that I'm talking about today. So how does being a loving dance partner compare... To being a loving partner as it compares to the relationship we share with God and Jesus. This is the parallel I'm going to try to connect today. Uh, First off, I'm going to talk about how it's a partnership. A dance partnership is exactly that it's a partnership. Commonly, the man leads the dance while the lady follows. But the dance as it relates to its partnership involves both partners taking turns leading as well as following. As you lead, you need to show confidence and surety. When you follow, you need to show vulnerability and acceptance of the path you're taking. God obviously has to, has to be the lead in this partnership through his grace his mercy his blessings and through his word he provides us with the guidance we need to just simply make it through the world we live in so if you have a dance partnership with God you need to make him the lead but there's an opportunity to lead and I'll talk about it in a little bit James 4, 6-10, it says, But he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I love that line. It gives me confidence. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. It sounds like it took a left turn, didn't it? But we're going to get into it. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. I think the summary for this scripture is, trust in me, and I will guide you and provide for you. And that's what a good leader does, right? As we get further along in the scripture where it says, cleanse your hands, you sinner, purify your hearts, you double-minded, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter turn to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he would exalt you. Here, I believe he's asking for us to trust and and be vulnerable as required to follow as we should. Another scripture that illustrates we need to show vulnerability and trust is the following. I think he's asking that previous line, I think he's asking us to, uh, to humble ourselves and be vulnerable regardless of our situation and trust that he will guide us and he will protect us. And he'll see us through. So the next scripture that illustrates the show vulnerability and trust is the following. We have Romans 8 and 28. As we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. To buy into the scripture, we need to have trust as well as to have the ability to be vulnerable. The word here is telling us that no matter what your situation is, God is working towards your good. That sometimes it's hard to rest in when the storm is raging. It seems as though just when you buckle down, the enemy will punch up the chaos just to see if you'll fall. Knowing God will see you through the storm. It takes trust and vulnerability. And as God leads us through the stance we are in, trust fully that he will strengthen us, sustain us, and increase us to the point where the follower can stand and move his leaders in our own right. I have a hard time reconciling my relationship between me and God. I I know he's the lead, but when would I ever think I would get to lead in that situation? But you're never going to lead, per se, when you have that relationship with God. But he is going to sustain you and increase you to the point where you can move and behave as a leader in the faith. We'll never take lead over God. I wouldn't want to. But a sustained relationship with him will manifest in how we treat people, how we handle conflict and challenges, and how we make decisions in good time and bad. A good example of this would be the ministry of Peter. After the raising up of Jesus, Peter took a lead role in making sure the word would not fall by the wayside. Let's consider this scripture as the following: In First Peter three, we're going to start at eighteen, go to twenty-two. For Christ also suffered for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which He went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah, when the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight people, were brought safely through water baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience." Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, powers, having been subjected to him. These were not always welcome words, but the courage and persistence of Peter, knowing that the task was critical, this follower of Jesus, he led as good leaders do. So I reflected on Peter there. Peter was uh, one, of the, one of the twelve. He was the disciple. And he, uh, he followed Jesus. And when Jesus died and he rose again and he ascended back up into heaven, Peter took on the role of making sure the world knew what had happened and why it was important to each and every one of us. And he said stuff that was not very popular to the masses. And he was uncomfortable. If you're going to lead, especially in Christ, sometimes you're going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes. Sometimes you're going to get eyes rolled at you. Sometimes you're going to be called a liar. Sometimes you're going to be called a holy roller or a Bible thumper. Sometimes you're going to be called out on the person you used to be. Sometimes you're just not going to be believed but be diligent. We are followers, but God is building us to lead for his sake. Amen? We all have jobs. Good dance partners have an obligation to one another. If one is expected to lead, one must know and be able to put out the specific steps and the basic rhythm of the dance part, dance to their partner. The one who follows needs to be able to anticipate and respond in kind. They both need to be on the same page. If I'm going to be the lead dancer and we're supposed to do A, B, C, and D, and I decide to do X, Y, T, and V, the follower is not going to know what to do. And if the follower can't anticipate what I'm going to do and respond in kind, I don't know what that dance would look like, but it's probably not going to be very good. So we both need to be on the same page. And I believe with the utmost confidence that God, he has his obligation met in the partnership. If we were as we should understand God's will for us, is a life of peace, joy, and love, we should know that God will supply us with what we need to achieve these things. In Luke 12.31, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. It is the obligation to know this. Let him speak to you and respond in a way that will give him glory. Are you on the same page? So know what God's will is for you. Listen when he tries to speak, and then respond in a way that will give him glory. A good dance partnership is intimate. Now, we just talked about the leader needing to know the logistics of the dance. Being able to lead it. And the follower needs to be able to respond. Now that's the the ABCs of the dance. So we're not talking about that at this moment. Because it's a good thing to be in lockstep with your dance partner, but every bit as important, there needs to be an intimacy. Now, again, remember, I'm not talking about the kind of dances that you do at the party or, you know, the wedding reception, you know, the macarena and the chicken dance. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about the kind of dance that you hold this person and it changes your life. This sustains a marriage. It sustains a relationship. It's a life bond. We often look at the word intimacy in the physical or romantic sense, but that's not what we're talking about now. Intimacy is a feeling of closeness and connection in an interpersonal relationship. Intimacy with God is the purpose of our lives. It really is. It's why God created us. Not simply to believe in him, though it's a good beginning. Not only to obey him, though that is a higher life still, but God created us for intimate fellowship with him. And in doing so, he established the goal for our existence. To know him, to love him, and to live our lives in an intimate relationship with him. We get that wrong all the time. My goal in life is so complex, I don't even understand it. But God simplifies it. He wants you to know him, to love him, and to live your life in an intimate relationship with him. And if we can just do that, the rest will take care of itself, I think. Jesus says that eternal life is to know God. In John 17, 3, it says, Not just know about him. He means know as two people know each other. Know as Jesus knows the Father intimately. To pursue an intimate relationship with God is to pursue the connection to truly grow as your dance unfolds. Amen? A good dance partnership is affectionate. Affection is a feeling of fondness or tenderness for one another, an attachment. God is not only fond of us, he loves us unconditionally. Isn't that great? We serve a God that's not only fond of us, he not only thinks we're kind of cool, but he loves us unconditionally. His love and affection for us is the motivation behind how he provides, how he protects his grace, his mercy. The sacrifice on the cross was due to his love and affection for us, as well as his desire to have that intimate relationship with us. As we grow to understand and accept just what God wants to be in our lives, our affection for him will grow increasing the joy and the peace and the love that he provides. I told you it wouldn't take too long. We're about ready to close. In closing, we experience many different types of relationships in this time we spend on earth. People come, people go. We honor some relationships above others. I've talked about that before. The we love with a degree of hierarchy. We have our family, we have our friends, we have the people we know, and we love them with different degrees. That's human nature. But if we are to maintain any chance of relationships that fulfill or sustain, we need to put one relationship first in our minds, in our hearts, and our spirits. The relationship between us and God will sustain our lives as well as make us better to all those around us. If you don't put God first, if that relationship isn't first, foremost, intimate, you're not going to have what it takes to be a good spouse or a good son or daughter or mother or father or friend. That intimate First relationship with God it's critical to the sustaining of any other relationship you, you will have so draw near to him give him your heart do the dance you'll be blessed you did that was my preparation for today I hope it helps somebody today I thank you for your time And if uh, we have somebody, we'll do some communion.